Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of revelation. You reveal truth to us. You reveal truth ultimately about yourself. And it is in you, through Jesus Christ, that we discover who truth is. That Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And we discover who we are. And we discover the truth about all of reality in and through the person of Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of truth, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to you and that we would understand more fully the wonder of creation and the wonder of you, the God who is beyond creation and yet is our creator and sustainer in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So welcome and welcome particularly to those who are tuning in uh, or dialing in with our dial-in telephone service. Uh, lovely to have you with you know, with us now as part of this service of worship. I love to read the scriptures, I love to read commentaries, and I also love to read about scientific theory. Perhaps it's to do with my background and doing sciences and uh, studying as an engineer. And the more that I read of theology, the more I read of science, the more that I'm utterly convinced that they both express two aspects of the same truth. Science is general revelation. Science is the study of creation. It's the study of all the laws and uh, just how our uh, creation and patterns, the orderly patterns of creation work, uh, how they can be observed and how experimentation can happen and, and theories can then be drawn out of those observations. Whereas theology is the study of the special revelation of how God has chosen to speak to us as human beings, having made us in his own image and given us minds to think uh, and spirits by which to know him. Uh, special revelation through scripture and ultimately through Jesus Christ, who is the truth, um, is another aspect of how we can come to know, not by uh, experimentation, uh, not even through just sheer thinking, but actually a different type of knowledge, a knowledge of receiving revelation of God, revealing himself to us through the scriptures and through his son, Jesus Christ. And so through science, we can understand wonderful aspects of creation and through theology, biblical theology, we can understand the special revelation of how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. Historian Herbert Butterfield stated that science is a child of Christian thought. And what he meant by that is that it is um, it's Christianity that has shaped modern science. The breakthroughs that we've had in terms of medicine and, and technology in all sorts of fields have come because Christianity has fostered an environment in which modern science could actually happen. And so, for instance, the belief in one God led people to expect that within nature there would be laws that had been shaped by one God, that things would not be chaotic, that if they had been shaped by, by different God, 
gods or different spiritual forces. There would just be chaos with, with forces pulling in different directions. But the Christian belief, the understanding that there is one God who loves order and uh, who's brought creation into being out of chaos, making it an orderly thing, that that led to the understanding that um, there was order to be found. And with creation being created by that one God, that there would therefore be an order and an, and an intelligibility to create into that created order. Also as well, the fact that we know from the Bible that, that God is a God who is beyond creation. And so um, many different belief systems like um, God being actually part of creation, that, that God or God's being part of everything that can be seen and touched um, have been understood to be false. And what we understand now is that God has created creation and yet he is beyond creation. And so uh, we understand then that um, it's possible to analyze creation, uh, to put parts of it under the microscope as it were, because we know that by doing that we're not um, not interfering with God himself and in, in, in chopping up a, a plant specimen, we're not, as it were, chopping up God, uh, that this is part of God's creation. Other belief systems throughout uh, human history have been ones uh, that believe that, and this was quite prevalent in, in a lot of Greek philosophical thought, that, that creation, uh, physical matter, is in some way evil it's it's something which is uh, not as not as high as uh, other elements of thought um and so in in dealing with creation you you could well be dealing with evil itself because creation uh, physical matter was seen as as evil and so in chopping up a, a plant specimen you you could be really bringing problems on yourself because if if matter was evil, then by chopping up matter, then you were meddling in, in affairs, you were meddling in dark forces that could spell out a lot of problems for you. And so Christian thought and faith and understanding has actually led to a, a confidence and a proliferation in modern science. As, as Herbert Butterfield said, science is a child of Christian thought. And so throughout history, we can see that there has been a wonderful relationship, uh, by and large, between Christian thought and scientific theory and experimentation. And there have been the, the majority of uh, Nobel laureates, for instance, in the field of science have been Christian. And throughout history uh, of Christian faith, um, there are so many examples of Christians who have deep uh, conviction in Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ and who also have uh, are, are rigorous, have been rigorous Christian thinkers and that continues up to today and so throughout um, centuries past we've got people like uh, Max Planck and, and Kepler and Lord Kelvin um, and to mention a few in more detail, people like 
Nicholas Copernicus, born towards the end of the 15th century. He laid the foundation of modern astronomy and scientific revolution by suggesting on mathematical grounds that the Earth travelled round the Sun and not vice versa. He was a canon of Frauenberg Cathedral and described God as the best and most orderly workman of all. In the midst of the 15th century, Sir Isaac Newton, an expert in theories about gravity and optics and astronomy, believed in the inspiration of scripture and wrote theological as well as scientific books, believing that his theological books were more important than his scientific ones. Michael Faraday, born towards the end of the 18th century, speculated about a vast array of scientific things throughout the course of his life. He invented the electric motor and the electric dynamo. As he lay on his deathbed, a visiting friend asked him, maybe rather strangely, Sir Michael, what speculations have you now? He replied, speculations, man, I have none. I have certainties. I thank God that I do not rest my dying head upon speculations, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Science studies creation. Theology studies the creator. Science is the study of God's general revelation and creation. Biblical theology is the study of God's special revelation in Jesus Christ as witnessed in the scriptures. The psalmist speaks of this general revelation in the natural world from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In other words, creation speaks of the wonder and glory of God. It doesn't speak with audible human words, but nonetheless, in amazing ways, in mysterious ways, the heavens, the earth, declare the glory of God, the intelligence, the power, the intricacy, the beauty of God's creation. The Apostle Paul, going even a stage further, said this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. That's in the first chapter of his letter to the Romans. And Paul is saying, can you see what God has made? Everyone throughout history should understand something of the greatness of God. Order, complexity and beauty all point towards the existence of of an intelligent creator. You know, it's easier to believe that God made something out of nothing rather than believing, as some do today, that nothing made something out of nothing. And so, uh, even Charles Darwin wrote of the impossibility of conceiving this immense and wonderful universe including man, as a result of blind chance or necessity. When thus reflecting, he said, I feel compelled to look 
to a first cause, having an intelligent mind in some degree analogous to that of man, and I deserve to be called a theist. In other words, the complexity of creation compelled Charles Darwin to believe in an intelligent God. Going purely by scientific discovery, it's amazing that life, particularly complex life, exists at all. It's been said that the chances that life just occurred on Earth are about as unlikely as a typhoon blowing through a junkyard and constructing a Boeing 747. Stephen Hawking made the point that if the density of the universe after one second after the Big Bang had been greater by one part in a, in a thousand billion, that's very, very small, the universe would have re-collapsed after 10 years. On the other hand, if the density of the universe at that time had been less by the same tiny amount, the universe would have been essentially empty since it was about 10 years old. How was it, asked Professor Stephen Hawking, that the initial density of the universe was chosen so carefully? Maybe there is some reason why the universe should have precisely the critical density. Although Hawking didn't believe in a creator God, his own theory points in that direction. General revelation, including scientific theory, points towards the existence of a powerful, intelligent and imaginative creator. But without the special revelation of Jesus Christ, as witnessed in the Bible, we would know little about him. And without him, life is without purpose. It's without beauty and it's without love. Science is unable to solve the moral dilemmas of humankind. It has no remedy for the problem of unforgiven sin and guilt. Only in the cross of Jesus Christ do we find the answer to these problems. And yet science is important. To mention just a few, we give thanks, particularly at the moment, for virologists who are helping us to understand coronavirus. Mathematicians who are working out the R number in different countries and regions of the world. Medical professionals who are treating the sick. Researchers who are seeking to find a vaccine for COVID-19. Yet our hope does not rest on science. Our hope is in Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom all things have been created and through whom all things in creation are sustained, who lived among us, who died among us, and is alive today and reigns over all. The Lord of all creation, who has created us in his own image for a purpose, to represent the creator to his creation and to gather up the praise of creation and to present it to the great creator. He has given us minds to think. He has given us the ability to overcome. And he's given us the desire to work together for the common good. We rule as human beings under his authority knowing that the heavenly dimension is at hand, that he is with us always, that not only has he created, but he continues to be among us as the creator, 
the sustainer of life. He's among us by his creative spirit, inspiring thought and love and creativity, unity and changing outcomes in response to prayer. He has not left us alone. He is with us. He is at hand that we may ask for ideas and breakthroughs and strength and inspiration, including in the field of science, that we may be able to rule and reign as he he has called us to do, to be involved with him in his work. And so we pray for his blessing on the search for a vaccine, for healing for the sick, for protection for the vulnerable and for wisdom for leaders and compassion for all of us. Remembering that ultimately he has spoken to us through his son, whom we read about in the scriptures and who is with us always. As Paul wrote in Colossians 1, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, through Jesus Christ and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in him, in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ, through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in heaven or on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so for this reason we have confidence, for this reason Paul said, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is our prayer for you. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those words from Ephesians 3. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who gives knowledge. And that knowledge is multifarious. It has many different aspects to it. It is a knowledge that comes by revelation through Jesus Christ, through the scriptures, through your spirit revealing wonderful truths to us. It is also by observation and experimentation and through the intelligent mind that you've given us as human beings created in your image. And so Lord, we thank you that we have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ through whom all things have been created. And we have hope in the midst of the challenges of today the ones that are there because of uh, the current coronavirus crisis, the ones that are there because of other crises, uh, ethical ones, uh, 
ones to do with human rights, ones to do with other forms of sickness, ones to do with disunity. Lord, we understand that there is hope for this world and for the world to come in Jesus Christ. And so we give you thanks and praise and we place our hope afresh in you, knowing, Lord, that there is there's faith and hope and love and the greatest of these is love. The love that we know that you have for us. The love that you have expressed for us ultimately in Jesus Christ. That you have created us, you have redeemed us and you offer us this wonderful gift of forgiveness. And Lord, you give us hope for the day to day. Because Lord, we know that you love us and you know, Lord, that you've given us inspiration. You've given us the, the ability to think and Lord, so we do thank you for all those who are exercising wisdom and an observation and theory and knowledge to help improve healthcare, to help uh, fight off sickness, to help improve the distribution of food, to help to improve the development of business and technology and, ec and economics. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful creation of which we're a part. And we thank you that you're our creator and you've created all things through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose mighty name we pray. Amen.